So I want to take this opportunity to apologize to our Chinese audience this week. We know we got a huge fan base over there, and they're all going to be extremely disappointed to learn that we are not, in fact, talking about the Great Wall this week. Oh, play the sad music. Sorry to both. The theme song is sad. The theme song is sad, so that kind of counts. Play the sad music. No Great Wall talk this week. Ah. You time of your life and go. And to think I grew this ponytail out for nothing. <laughs> it's a little disappointing. Matt Damon would be disappointed in me. But, it looks um, good, though. <laughs> well, I will admit, I, I, I must say you something. look good. Off the top. Oh, yes. Is that um, I saw the trailer for that. I think the IMAX 3D trailer or something for that. And the 3D effects looked really great i don't know if it was if that's what if it was trying to be some kind of you know avatar-esque like just come for the Mm -hmm. 3d the movie probably sucks but the 3d is worth it you know kind of thing yeah and um maybe that's that was its appeal it was kind of riding on but i don't think that ever translated but the 3d effects i saw in the trailer were impressive so i mean It actually did better than I thought it would, money-wise, domestically. Yeah, I I thought it would make less than ten million. Honestly, yeah, (laughs) it made twenty million. Like honestly, that they are probably pretty pumped about that. Yeah, and it's already made like two hundred million overseas. Yeah, two hundred sixty total, two sixty-six worldwide right now on one hundred fifty budget. So yeah, yeah, those will be coming. Yeah, so that's a win already. It It was a two hundred fifty two hundred fifty million dollar movie. So yeah. they've already they have already turned a profit on the thing, believe it or not. Despite it's, the bad uh, well, It's been out in China since November. Mm-hmm. So it's the numbers are a little, you know, it probably won't get a lot higher than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, but uh, not a complete loss, but kind of a weird thing. I don't know how much longer it'll be out. I don't see it being out for more, like two more weeks, you know. Because yeah, it's, got Oscar, a little, it's got some Oscar, more craft to it, yeah. The Oscar movies are going to get you know, the buzz out of the ceremony and some of them are probably going to go back in the theater and that's going to knock some movies out for, you know, the, the ones that are holding on by the skin of their teeth. And, um, I think the great wall will be that one. It'll, uh, it'll be, the, it'll go the way of the Warcraft. That's right. Brian. Yeah. Yeah. And the Billy Lynn's of the world. I think that was out for two weeks. Honestly, Billy Lynn. Yeah. I saw most. it. We saw it the one week it was out in, in America, <laughs> not just in our, town or the yeah. only time we could see it it was only out for like <laughs> they pulled they pulled that one fast like get it out now yeah um okay out on dvd and blu-ray now by the way so you can you can check that out if you uh if you missed it like all of the world did you you can get billy lynn now on blu-ray you gotta get it in hd because you can only truly <laughs> right. experience 4k it. if you can afford yeah. <laughs> the upgrade get, if, if like it. 10 people buy a 4k copy of that it will double the money it took in at the box office so trying to help it out that is true i think we you us three <laughs> we we represented half of the box office money that it made and yep. i think it made what 48 dollars on the theater <laughs> yeah uh, something yep. like that well welcome back richard you weren't here last week hey good to be back good to be back yeah i feel like good. i haven't seen you in at least uh 20 hours yeah so and i hope uh the mam fam on instagram uh, at Mad About Movies podcast on Instagram, enjoyed our, Richard and I's modern art 
that we did. Yeah. We did a performance art piece um, last night at an event. You can see an excerpt from that uh, on the Instagram. So go check that out. And we no. held that post for 22 hours, and uh, we raised, uh, I think, $1,100 for... for um, the Mad About Movie is charity. It's really just <laughs> for us, for our money for us. So Yeah. <laughs> really not anything beneficial happening. It's just right. wasting it on We're us. We're a nonprofit in the same yeah. way that the NFL is a nonprofit. So it works out really well. Um, so, movie news, rumors, rumblings for this evening. Uh, we got some, I guess, casting news to talk about in, in a couple of areas. But before we do that, Brian, we have some shout outs to give again. Oh, yeah. Totally. So these are uh, these are lovely listeners who have donated money over the last couple of weeks. We've been doing our, our annual campaign to kind of help pay for the show and uh, pay down our costs and and make this continue to allow us to do this thing. So if you'd uh, if you'd like to donate and hear your name shouted out here on uh, on this here podcast that you listen to so frequently, you can do that on our website. Find the donate button. Uh, donate the money of your choosing, and and uh, if you would like to come on the show, there's a a donation level that we'd uh, we'd love to there's hit. There's a VIP that. level, uh, yeah, the yeah, VIP. and and we'd love to have any shows. Just you can DM or email us, and uh, we'll we'd love to take care of that. But regardless, you can uh, donate ten dollars. You can donate a billion dollars if you really want to. Um, we will take it. We won't turn that money down. And I will say, uh, Brian, we're we're still waiting for our first billion dollar donation. So if you want to be the yeah. first person. We will yeah, shout you I mean, out I, for being our first billion dollar donation. If right. You do that on the I show. tweet at Mark Cuban every single <laughs> I know. day, but still, still it could be him. Gonna, it could have been, it could be you, Mark. You could be the first billion dollar donator <laughs> to a podcast. I mean, we're not that, greedy. Uh, we take a million. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> if you do donate, we will, we'll shout you out on the show. And so here's a list of a, of a few lovely listeners who uh, have donated over the last couple of weeks. And that's Connor Gasky, uh, Haley Dasovich, Todd. Hey, you got me? Todd. Yeah. Type to pay. I, I'm sorry, Todd. I'm going to butcher your name because I'm the worst at reading names. Uh, Bradley Cornforth, Jessica Hartman, Christian Fox, and it's Andrew Jezeka. Jezeka. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh, Jermaine. Anyway, so those are those are the listeners. Today. I'll have a few more for next week. And uh, but thank you guys so much. Seriously, again, as I said last week, uh, we started doing this a couple years ago kind of on a lark, not really thinking that anybody would be willing to do that. And you guys have come through so generously over and over again. And uh, we, we love that. So if, you, if you'd like to donate, find the donate button on the website. And uh, otherwise, thanks to those who have donated. So really Jason, a very sincere thank you. Seriously, we joke around a lot and make fun of everything. And we're never taken seriously for a reason because we don't want to be taken seriously. But on this one point, uh, please sincere sincere thanks uh we really really appreciate what the uh, listener has done for us for sure okay so a little bit of casting news in the disney side of things and uh this one involves john favreau and the lion king he kind of i guess did he announce it this way and if so we need to have a whole separate convo about social media marketing in 2017 <laughs> sure. but um he <laughs> that's our side that's our I'm I'm actually uh, doing a seminar later. If you want to just DM me, if you want to know about my, right. it's like very Michael Scott esque, but it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it costs thirty dollars to get in. Yeah, uh, but we're gonna give you a lot of important social stuff. media tips. Two K seventeen. No audience plants. We so what John Favreau did, and like I said, if this was the only way they did it, it's cool. Uh, tweeted out just a picture of the actor, and then like, can't wait to work with him, and then hashtag Simba. You know. 
And now the, and if that's the way they announce it, really cool, you know, kind of viral way to do it. And it definitely appeals to his fan base and they'll spread it around. And, you know, the tabloids and the, the Hollywood reporters of the world will, of course, pick it up that way easily because everyone's on Twitter these days. So um, I, it's just funny to, to see them not go the traditional press release route with something like that and yeah. go to the variety and give somebody or give somebody an exclusive on it. Um, just let the director tweet it or I mean. Maybe they were going to do that, but John Favreau just tweeted it, um, which is certainly a possibility as well. Sure. But um, nonetheless, we have a couple of announcements on people that will be voicing. I guess I should say voicing. I'm maybe mocap in some aspect, kind of the face performance capture that yeah, they do for these, and then they yeah, translate. I think, that's what I think they did that with Idris Elba in the Jungle Book, and they kind of mimic kind of the facial expressions. At least they don't, you know, do the whole face or anything like that, but they can it definitely helps them in their animation. So that and the voice of Simba will be Donald Glover, who Boom. is, I would say peaking at this point. Yeah, he's, dude, totally. He's yeah. about to hop yeah. on board Disney and, uh, John Favreau, as well as star Wars on the other side. Um, I guess they're filming that right now, the Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's Lando, of course, the new Lando. I don't know yeah. if they'll, I don't know if we'll do any more movies with him as Lando. I don't know how, that conversation went, but I guess we'll find out. But nonetheless, um, big things happening for him and his music career is taking right. a, a crazy turn as well. Kind of yeah. interesting. And Atlanta. Turn. I don't know if you said and Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh yeah. And Atlanta Terrible. is the best show on TV, arguably. So not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Pretty po- decent. Not year bad post community yeah. or whatever <laughs> for you, Donald yeah. Glover. Um, cool. Well, what do you guys think about that? Awesome choice. Yeah. I'm down with pretty much whatever Donald Glover wants to do. I think he's, everybody will tell you he's very talented. I've been saying that I'm way behind on so many things. I was streets ahead on, on Donald Glover, I think. So I'm a big Donald Glover fan. I I think he is uber talented and is capable of doing just about anything. So I love him as Lando. I loved him in Atlanta. I love childish Gambino. I think he will be a fantastic Simba and Maybe we get to see him like do some singing too, some yeah, real like too, yeah. uh, cartoony sort of singing, and it kind of just add to his his repertoire. So great casting there, I think. Yeah, that, uh, Richard, we love him. I assume. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm a big fan, yeah. and uh, yeah. Brian and I were both uh, big community. Y'all were back, and then, I was and not. Then you, you were. I I bailed eventually, but Brian stuck with it all the way through. But the first couple of years of that show were really fun, and he was a big, uh, a big part of it. So, and then obviously uh, everything he's done since has been, been great. And uh, uh, that Childish Gambino record last year was was really interesting. And so he kind of continues this odd, um, you know, it's it's kind of like in sports sometimes where it's fun to watch someone who was really talented, but then continue to kind of have like a leap year and really grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like 2016, 2017 was that where he kind of reached a new level of potential. Uh, and this is, and he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's picking interesting projects. That's for sure. I mean, those are two pretty big, he's not afraid of big shoes. We should say that. I mean, Simba's, I mean, I'm not really speaking much of Billy D Williams nor Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but those roles are, are really massive. And, uh, and I think. Uh, or Matthew are, Broderick. Are, Matthew Broderick was Simba yes. too, as well. It's true. Old adult yeah. Simba. Yeah, Matthew Broderick as well. And uh, I think those are all, th- all three that. Uh, the, or those two roles, though, 
are, are really probably kind of intimidating. So being confident enough to step into those are, are is interesting. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. super excited for him as Lando. Yeah, that that man, that's that's iconic. If you're gonna be a younger version of a very iconic character, I bet that's uh you got to think about that probably. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know if he said yes immediately to Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. but um, or Red Cup as it's called, the working title or the the uh, the title uh, on the uh, slate for Han Solo is Red Cup. So I guess they're listeners of the show. <laughs> Shout out, Warden Miller. You're our homeboys. And uh, we'll talk soon. So but, close to our Star Wars cameos. Oh, so close. We are. We're stormtroopers. That's all we want to be. Don't even have to see our face. Stormtroopers. Right. Um, so that's exciting. But like you I said. just tell people we, we did get those cameos. I say we yeah. do that. Oh, yeah. I, I blew it. I blew it. I oh, you blew it. Yeah, we are. Um, there was a... Uh, opportunity to recast the original people for this, obviously. Matthew Broderick's still around. Um, Jonathan Taylor well, Thomas is of. still around. And in that sense, um, them going a new direction for this is interesting. And to say on, on the other side of the coin, they did stick with the original actor for Mufasa, and it's going to be James Earl Jones, of course. Uh, as Perfect. Mufasa's voice, because who else could it be? I guess it's just like <laughs> right. you hear it in your sleep. The Mufasa voice, Simba. <laughs> Everything the light touches is your kingdom. That's uh, Mufasa, right? And um, it's going to be epic on an epic scale. I'm sure. I, I've read that this movie is going to be 100% green screen. Like there's no humans in wow. it. Um, like there was at least one in the Jungle Book that they kind mm-hmm. of centered things around so to speak, and give it a, a little bit of realism. But I'm interested to see what he could do. If there's not one, I wouldn't assume there would be a human. I wouldn't see a reason for them there to have a human in this. That would right. kind of ruin the illusion of Lion King, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure. All these animals are singing and dancing in the forest, and then this human's like, wait, what? What? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that would be a very weird turn in the storyline. But, um, <laughs> man, I'm just kind of picturing this in my head, like the stampede sequence and the uh of course pride rock and scar and everything that we of the iconic nature and aspects of the lion king timon and pumbaa you know uh there this could be really special and just thinking about it like it seems kind of a cop out to say to be excited about the lion king being remade but i think they could really do something artistically really cool with it uh, yeah. it, it's not just like, oh, let's just let's just make it and recreate the songs. Like uh, what I feel like Beauty and the Beast is going to be is more mm-hmm. of just a straight. Let's just make the animated movie into live action. I feel like they're the Lion King is really going to be something different and like like the Jungle Book was. Like we totally didn't expect that when it came out. Um, for it to be as intriguing as it was, I guess. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited from that aspect. What do you guys think about James Earl Jones? I'm always right. in for James Earl Jones. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. no other way to do it. No it other be, way. It would be so silly to do it otherwise if he's still around. And it, but it, it, you know, it's a, it's in an odd way a creative way because I think uh, common sense or what a lot of people uncreative uh, executives would say: who could we get to be <laughs> the new James Earl Jones, and they could have like 30 hours of meetings over it, and whoever was just like, what well, we could just get James Earl Jones again. <laughs> He's uh, he's still alive. Like we, yeah, we could cast question. him. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. But it it is weird. It, it these do feel though um so like 
I don't know. It does kind of hurt the reimagination of it because it just feels is it going to be a shot by shot remake that's just mm. CGI instead of animation? Because then that kind of gets boring. And then, yeah, uh, I don't know. But we'll, we'll know if they go if they if Nathan Lane is is, uh, you know, Timon, then we'll know. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bean reprises his role as the bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or Whoopi Goldberg as the hyena. That's what we can all hope for. Yeah. We need more Whoopi in our lives. Don't we all? <laughs> no. I have an appropriate amount of Whoopi. When are we getting Eddie, too? Old. That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually you know, need it. She would definitely be a better owner, at least, than, than what the Knicks have right now. So Maybe that's the evolution. Maybe they could have Whoopi Goldberg carried out of the building. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities between Frank Langella and Eddie and Vivek Rendiav, who owns the Kings right now. So, you know, it could happen. It could. There's your sports moment. Where's our, when our Whoopi resurgence going to happen? Well, when we start the Whoopi cast. <laughs> there is a Whoopi cast out there, for sure. Somewhere. There's, a, there's an everything cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of cast... And uh, new cast, uh, the Predator movie, like photo kind of came out today of, I guess it's called The Predator. Did you guys see this photo? Mm-mm. Yeah. Shane Black. I have not. Put it out there of him and the cast, like all in their full costume, just kind of like standing on the set. And uh, it's worth taking a look at because it's uh, it shows them in costume, first of all. And it kind of shows your first look at the kind of this ensemble that they've assembled and i want you got your your opinion on this first of all thoughts on predator in general and does this need to be remade again brian uh or yeah, yeah. so like i don't know that it needs to be done but i'm for whatever reason i'm 100 percent in on this like i think it's a i think it's the type of movie that if you're gonna reboot or remake this is this is the one you should be doing um the first Predator is great. That's like one of the classic, probably top five action movies from that era. And I think it actually holds up pretty well, minus the technology aspects of it. But it looks pretty cool. So I watched it maybe last year and, and really enjoyed it. And then they, they kind of come up and down. There was one, one of the sequels that maybe came out in 2000, maybe Predators, I think is what it, that one was called. Yeah, 2010 was actually pretty decent. Um, the one with Adrian even, Brody. Yeah, even though it starred Topher Grace. As oh man, movie. I could not. I couldn't take Adrian Brody in that movie. Honestly. Yeah, I don't like Adrian he talked Brody. Like this the entire time of the movie. Right. He was, but I felt like oh. he was made up for by Walton Goggins and uh, and Danny Trejo because that's that's always. Oh, fun. Danny anyway, Trejo in this universe is awesome. And yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So anyway, I think this is a is a a good gamble. I don't know that's going to turn out well, obviously, but I think it's the right kind of movie to be making and i'm i really like this cast i like olivia yeah. munn in this role i you know i i like sterling k brown there like that's a that's a kind of out of the box yeah. thinking there and so yeah yeah exactly so i it's, like that uh it's weird because shane uh, the story you know it's weird that shane black he was in predator but he didn't write it he didn't right. make it you know and now he's making it mm-hmm. um it's such a cool kind of full circle thing um yeah, I'm I'm interested in this quite a bit. I think it could be uh could be really it's definitely going to be you know uh what what I think these lost after the first predator was the kind of the fun side of it. Obviously yeah. when you cast Adrian Brody or anything you're you're kind of doing a fun uh removal. And so uh I'm excited to see that kind of back in this world cuz it's an intense 
scary world, but it's 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 fun. You know, the original Predators, uh, a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It is. It is fun. It's uh, it's one of the ones. It's one of the best like late night movies to put on. Like it's yeah, it's yeah, one thirty yeah. in the morning, and you got three friends over. Yeah, and you're all kind of talking, but you want to watch something. That's a good right. fun one. Fun watch, and uh, it brings back some nostalgia. That's for sure. Right. Predator should always be playing on a Stars Network channel somewhere. Like every hour of the day, you should be able to turn on. Like, oh, it's Predator. Cool. Like, that just fits that channel for some reason. But hopefully, there's a Jesse Ventura cameo in this. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I I mean, what (laughs) massive opportunity lost if there's not? Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, So this cast intrigues me a lot. You mentioned Olivia Munn. You mentioned uh, Sterling K. Brown. Mm-hmm. We also have Travante Rhodes from yes, Moonlight. Yes, yes, yes. Dallas's own Travante Rhodes, shout out. Mm-hmm. And that that's cool. Interested mm-hmm. to see him do something big like this and blockbustery. I mean, he's done Westworld, yeah. but um, it was a very small role, and uh, for the most part, so far, I guess, because Westworld's only had one season. Who knows? They might bring him back in some kind of way. But uh, is there? Um, something else that he could be doing in this movie i don't know uh a key of key and peel keegan michael key mm-hmm. um we need some comic relief i'm assuming they attempted that with topher grace in the, the last <laughs> predator affair and uh, of course arnold is always his own comic relief so they didn't need it in the first one but right. uh this is interesting to see what he's gonna do here um yeah we've only really seen him I guess we've seen him in Fargo, so we've seen him do serious stuff, but we haven't seen him do um, anything like like an action movie. Uh, so, besides Keanu was kind of an action movie, but this is different. This is mm-hmm. interesting. So, I'm assuming he'll have a humorous role, but I'm interested to see where they where they go with him and Jacob Tremblay from Room. Yeah, you still haven't seen Room? Oh, go see Room. Uh, it's one you kind of have to see, you know. But oh, it'll you're man. better coming out of it. You're Kind of a better person, I feel like. So, you haven't that done that up yet. up there on the list of movies that are very good movies that I never want to watch again. But it's kind of, ever. you're glad you saw it. And it was like, man, that was, is intense. But oh, that should have, should have and could have won Best Picture in 2015. So stressful. It was, it was very good. So, yeah, interesting. And uh, I guess well, a trailer will drop pretty soon for this one. That's all we really have to talk about it is, um, that cast and uh that photo was released too so mm-hmm. we'll tweet cool. that out or something so look for it on twitter okay let's move on guys speaking of action movies and talk john wick 2 whoa hey ma'am fam question for you do you own a small business or are you a boss are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role well, let me tell you about ziprecruiter.com With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. 
Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I'm going to start off this section of the show, this review of John Wick Chapter 2, with a confession slash uh, clarification. Not clarification. But um, a confession, really. I was wrong about uh, this series, I guess. Um, <laughs> from just from our previous episode, we did talk about John Wick, and I admit, out coming out of it, I was not blown away by it by any means. Surely not to the level that um, the world was. <laughs> I thought it was a good action movie, and that's about it. Like it really didn't move me in any way emotionally um thought the action scenes you know i, I thought the action very scenes emotional were, film yeah I, I mean it didn't have any heart i mean i feel like even the raid like kind of has heart to it and you kind of feel the emotion of it i john wick didn't have that for me um it didn't it surely didn't have the it, it had some creative action but it wasn't anything that i hadn't seen before you know it didn't like in my opinion push the the uh it's like it's not like action movies are never going to be the same after John Wick. You know, it was mm-hmm. like kind of by the books action, and I was it was entertaining, but it wasn't it wasn't blown away. Um, this I, I first of all I did have a chance to rewatch John Wick, and I liked it a lot better the second time around. I, I didn't really notice how well it was shot. I don't think the first time around like i didn't pay t- much attention to the cinematography as far as the you know color choices of the color uh balance uh kind of the symmetry of the film that i really didn't notice before just kind of how uh it's very kind of wes anderson-y and how it's shot and, and the fact that uh the character of wick and other characters are very in the center of the frame if and whenever possible uh if, if you didn't notice that i definitely noticed it on the second viewing and it's a kind of a thematic element that they definitely carry into chapter two but yeah. i didn't really appreciate it artistically as much as i was paying attention to the story and the action the first time around rather than kind of how how they went about it you know um it, it's a very pretty movie you know john mm-hmm. wick is um and I, I think they really upped the ante on almost every level with Chapter 2. I, I was really, really entertained by Chapter 2 the first time around. And where John Wick fell short as far as those insane, oh my gosh, action moments, you know? Uh, I think Chapter 2 made up for all of those, too. I, there was 
several moments in the movie where I was saying, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen anyone die like that before. I've never seen anything <laughs> shot like that before. I've never seen a room like that before. I've never seen lights like that before. There was just so much in this movie that I was blown away by um, just different elements that were kind of thrown at me all at once. And I think the story is kind of way more stripped down and simple. And they uh, kind of just know what they're good at with this, it seems like, you know, now. Yeah, they know what yeah. people want, and they know the character of Wick is just kind of this all-encompassing uh, bad A, really. He's kind of Neo in the real world, if that was possible. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's MacGruber, you know? Like, this, that's who Wick is. Like, he's unstoppable force that nobody, the world's toughest assassins, can't take him out, you know? Like, uh, and there are parallels to MacGruber in this that I'm excited to talk about, because... Uh, it's fun. It's it, it. It's like if this was slightly comedic, or if if you went into this thinking it was a comedy, you could have, you know, it's like a. There's several several MacGruber esque moments that I'm excited to talk about. But um, man, I was was I wrong about like where this could go? Um, I, I thought <laughs> I I don't even think it would get a sequel because I don't think it made much, and I thought it was a very limited audience that it was for. Um, this um this proved me wrong. I think these could be big kind of. Uh, you know, midwinter, like, you know, end of February blockbusters that they kind of throw out there and could kind of gain a following. I think this one will do a lot better on second viewing and on, on demand and Netflix and things like that. If people get a chance to kind of absorb this series. But like I said, I was wrong about this and I think uh, they can really push the envelope again with chapter three and it's got a very fast and furious kind of vibe to it. It's like, we're just mm -hmm. having fun here. Uh, we know this is kind of horrific what's happening, all the, you know, the death and everything and all the violence and warfare kind of that happens. But it's done in such a stylistic manner that uh, you really don't pay attention to it. And you're just kind of it's a, such a popcorn movie. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this with you. And I guess, Brian, give us your immediate thoughts on John Wick and John Wick Chapter Two. Yeah, I feel a little bit vindicated by uh, what you just said there, Kinto. Cause did you like it a lot the first time around? I don't remember. I remember all I remember because I didn't get to revisit this. Uh, usually, before a sequel, I'll, I'll rewatch the movie. But we're we're actually recording a day earlier, and I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I would be watching it right now uh, if we weren't recording. But um, I just I remember thinking I don't love this, but it's really pretty enjoyable. And then we got on the show. And, you know, we, we tend to, I think between the three of us, um, we tend to be pretty close in our grading more often than not. And I felt myself, I just remember finding myself like defending the movie and coming out <laughs> much higher than you guys were like, Oh, you were, maybe I was at a B plus and you guys thought it was a C or something like that. Regardless, I just felt like I don't really love this movie that much, but now I'm having to defend it. And that's kind of a weird <laughs> position to be in. Yeah. Um, but I think you're a hundred percent right. The, the first movie, uh, is ridiculous and, and stupid and, and also a lot of fun. And this one is 10 times that like it doubles down on, uh, the foolishness of it all and the kind of insanity of, of the plot. And the, just, it's, it's dumb. And I love when an action movie understands that the things that they're doing are dumb and they just go with it. Like that's, it's part of what makes the fast movies great. Um, it's not the whole equation, but it is, it is part of that. Um, and this one, the John Wick movies are just kind of like, they are very similar to those like 
the 80s and 90s action movies that we grew up with with you know with uh i don't know steven seagal and uh sylvester stallone and and arnie and two and so even and chuck norris really they have a lot in common with kind of some of the chuck norris shenanigans that that happened in in the early to to mid 80s but uh this one gets it i think even more so than the first one like they just they know exactly what they're doing and what the audience is looking for and how to just kind of blow past the <laughs> the stupidity of their main plot like again never forget that the first movie really hinges on the fact that someone killed his dog and so he's going to wreak havoc upon the earth because of that i mean i love my dog but i'd probably kill like two people for that not not a hundred uh russian mobsters but it's really it's a really weird thing that they just go hard in on and this one kind of i mean it starts it starts with Peter Stromer and uh, and and Keanu Reeves trying to track down his car, and it's it's so stupid. And you spend I at least I spent ten minutes being like, "This is so." You dumb. have my car. Like that's like <laughs> yeah. the exact line that's read. You have my car. So I mean, it's very Keanu-y in that Keanu Reeves is by all accounts one of the nicest human beings in the world, and has made some very good movies, but he is almost always bad in the good movies, and it's just a weird, it's a weird phenomenon, but I, I found myself, I spent probably 10 minutes thinking, this is really stupid, and then after that, uh, I, I, I overwhelmed myself with, but this is a lot of fun, too, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed most of the ride quite a bit. There were mo- There were dips here and there, but for the moment for the most part i think it knows exactly what it is and it's just going all in on that and i appreciate that in a throwaway action movie uh quite quite a lot so that's that's kind of where i'm at richard how about you man yeah i mean i'll probably be on the other side of this i mean this is kind of everything that i i like i mean i'm not uh so i'm someone that likes kind of dumb action movies and i like uh you know, gives you a certain vocabulary to, uh, through which to enjoy movies like MacGruber even more. And uh, we're, we're big Fast and Furious fans and all that. I don't, I don't know why these never really connect with me. Um, the first one didn't. And uh, this th- this one has some incredible aesthetic choices and the choreography and things like that. You're right, Kent, the, bringing up the raid obviously is, is apt. But uh, I don't know why. I just sit there very bored every time I watch one of these. I don't care. I'm just out on them. I, I, and it's like everything I like, but there's just this weird distance between me and, and, uh, and this, and I don't understand. I all felt the it the fuss. first time around, man. I don't know what yeah. happened the second time that I was just totally, I totally saw it through a different like perspective. Yeah. Honestly, and I'm wrong. Cause everyone I respect and like has is like that now. And that's great. And I'm, I'm not trying to be contrarian. I'd, I'd like to be on, the right side of history on this but i'd be i'd be lying if i said i like loved every minute of this i was i a little bit uh not 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 too high on this on the whole but we, we can get into specifics in a minute but but yeah that's kind of my general thoughts yeah the um first time i i, I really did watch this watch john wick one right before i went into john wick two and i was like man john wick one was way better than i remember it being and then I immediately went to John Wick 2, and it kind of confirmed my feelings of John Wick 1. I was like, man, I, okay, I was wrong. I, I could fully admit, you know, <laughs> hands behind my head, like, you got me, you know? And uh, I'm glad that's kind of where I am, because I, I love these 
movies. Like like I said, the only ones we've been able to really watch aren't in English for the most part that are like this, you know, that kind of offer this, you know, the, uh, what was it? Uh, Snowpiercer kind of mm-hmm. comes to mind as a movie that, uh, kind of knew what it was. That was a very intelligent movie, but, uh, those types of movies that aren't really, they're really made for the Asian audience. And uh, right. Keanu Reeves has tapped into the Asian market, maybe better than anybody. Uh, from an, an American actor perspective, I don't know how. Brian, can you mind looking up how well these do overseas? Yeah. John Wick movies. Because... So the first, yeah, I've got Go the ahead. I've got the numbers. Okay. The first movie uh, had a twenty million dollar budget and it made eighty eight million dollars, and a little bit less than half of that was overseas. So it did what, and and this one's kind of plugging along in the same vein. It's made. On what is estimated at a forty million dollar budget, it's it's so far it's made ninety three million, and two thirds of that is here. So it's it's a strange because you're totally right. Like this does seem like the type of movie that would play better overseas than it does here, just sensibilities wise. Um, and it and it doesn't, and it's that's kind of a strange. I'm not sure why that is, especially like you said, given that Keanu has really tapped into that market. I think better than. Maybe to honestly, in some ways, to his uh, to his detriment, because he's focused a lot on that instead of uh, trying to maintain relevance over here. But then John Wick comes along and he's right back in it. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. And uh, Keanu Reeves, man, he's an impressive guy. You know, he's he's done some very interesting things in his career uh, as far as uh, the kind of different roles he's taken on. You know, this is a guy that's. Bill and Ted and Neo and John Wick. And then he does like, what was it? Interview with the vampire or something like that. Uh, the day the earth stood still, you know, mm-hmm. um, or it was Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm thinking of not Interview yeah, with the yeah, vampire. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know, he's just kind of very versatile, but uh, the, the, he really found his sweet spot. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be like, the less comedic version of Jackie Chan. And I'm just going to do, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to be the American Jackie Chan. I'm going to do freaking 47 Ronin and man of Tai Chi. And I'm going to do John wick and I'm going to do all these matrix movies. He's become like this icon of martial arts that I never would have expected Keanu Reeves to become, you know, and he takes it so seriously, his training and he does all his own stunts, you know, like you can tell, uh, for the most part, that he he he's really, especially uh, the gun stuff. I don't know about uh, most of the martial arts, but uh, I know he had stunt doubles in the Matrix. One of whom was the director of the John Wick series. Who, by the <laughs> way, such a cool idea for a you know, I guess stunt guys who have been in Hollywood for you know twenty thirty years obviously mm-hmm. know a lot a thing or two about filmmaking, but for him to kind of you know, spin this series off is really cool and kind of get his old buddy Keanu into the fold and everything. And man, does he know about choreography and action scenes and, uh, guys coming at you from every direction and where the camera should be and, uh, what kind of environment the fights should be in. I think that's what John Wick has really nailed is like the environments are so, so different from each other throughout the movie. You know, he could be fighting a guy in the rain one second and then be, putting a pencil through a guy's head another second in inside a hall of mirrors, you know, it's like a very different kind of uh, variety of settings that they use in these movies and get away with it. You know, um, 
Mm-hmm. I think uh, setting it in the city really does give you that flexibility. But, I mean, Keanu Reeves has impressed me. I don't know how you guys feel about him or if you're even fans of his work at all, but uh, he's won me over in the past five years or so. And like I said, I'm I'm not a... I, have, I think 47 Ronin's terrible, but I... And Man of Tai Chi was not good, but I totally admire and respect what he's doing, you know? Like, I can see why he would go that route with his career, and I think it's really cool kind of niche that he's filled. But uh, any thoughts, Brian, on Keanu in general? Yeah, it's interesting because he's not... I don't... (laughs) He's got a very varied career, and he's done a lot of different stuff, and he gets cast in... uh, he gets cast in a lot of action movies, but he he's kind of all over the place. And I don't think he's a good actor, but he's this is definitely what he's best at because there's he there's a certain there's always a certain wooden cheesiness to what he everything he says, everything he said since his first acting role uh, all the way through. He he kind of has that same. <laughs> he's kind of like kind he's of the kind Eli of, Manning phase. Yeah, he's kind he, of stoned all the time. And the fact that he's yeah. just like, what? Really? Because, yes. I mean, that was his whole role in the Matrix, and that's the Neo character, is him right. discovering the Matrix. So he's like, what? Yeah. What is this? You know, who are you? And all that stuff, you know? It's like, what is this? And it's kind of a fish out of water, you know? Yeah, he to, for me, he he hits about one out of five times, but, but the one out of five, I really enjoy. And I, even when he's bad, I I find him at least interesting to watch, which is kind of odd because he does like part of why he's not a particularly great actor is that he doesn't emote and he doesn't do anything interesting, but just, I don't know. It's like a phenomenon of just like, how does this guy keep getting roles? And yet I don't hate what he's doing, even though it's not very good. He's great as this character because he, he brings just, just by naturally being Keanu Reeves on screen he brings the right amount of tongue in cheek uh, cheesiness and kind of just, it's almost off putting, but he delivers these, what are kind of terrible pieces of dialogue. He delivers them in a way that it's just like, I don't know, but that worked for some reason. I I'm, I'm with it. I don't know. And he's great in the action sequences. I think he's a, he's a very good uh, physical actor when it comes to this sort of stuff. And he embodies this, <laughs> these characters really well. It's, it's strange. I would never say if anyone asked me like, hey, do you really like Keanu Reeves as an actor? I would say absolutely not. But I'm looking through his IMDb and I'm like, OK, I, I you know, I enjoyed that movie. I thought he was pretty good, you know, or at least was speed is the ultimate ridiculous movie of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's he's he's a really he's a strange guy. But again, I should reiterate, he is by all accounts, he's the nicest dude in the world. And he um, that's probably part of why he continues to to get uh to get roles is because he's he's very charming in in person and, and people really like him um but it's he's had a very he's had an interesting charmed varied career that i don't i don't know that he um i don't know that you could have predicted that in 1990 i don't think personally it's just funny that he he went from sad Keanu to John Wick you know like mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he was his career was literally a meme at one point Right. And uh, he has resurrected himself in the kind of most awesome, cool fashion I've seen. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I am, yeah. I am the biggest BA on the planet. 
you know, and no one can mess with me. He's he's like this Liam Neeson guy now. Like I will find right. you and I will kill you. You know, yeah. he is like that. Uh, he's at that level, and I I never would have mm-hmm. thought I would be on board with it. But I'm 100 yeah. percent on board with it. I love it. Taken Taken is the most apt comparable film to these to this series. Um, and it's interesting to see like those movies make a ton more money than the John Wick movies do. Uh, but John, like, I think I really enjoy the first Taken movie. Taken two and Taken three are pretty terrible, but I think John Wick holds up better than this. But I do think Liam Neeson is more enjoyable in that kind type of role than than Keanu Reeves is, despite how how well he he plays or, or how suited he is for that this kind of role. Yeah, I agree, Richard. Any thoughts on? Um, I uh, I got that, some Keanu thoughts. Yeah, I can't i mean i'm just he does i he does nothing for me ever so i think i liked point break but like you know you know i'm not a big matrix guy right i and so i just can't ever get past i yeah you're right i know he's got a reputation as being a very nice person that's lovely um but uh and he he is a decent but i just don't i've never understood why he's not a stunt double yeah like why he's not the stunt double i just i i don't it's just it's lost on me oh he makes every movie seem unprofessional to me and i can't ever get past <laughs> like that. kind of kind of like a b movie yeah or no like not even like an actual production like yeah like a guy at the donut store like waiting to, yeah no he can't he has zero i never he he kills any legitimacy a movie has and i for some reason i can't get past that i don't know why you know it's funny like i would i feel like and i'm someone who thinks me. vin diesel's fine so i'm obviously <laughs> have issues with me no, no, I'm with you in that. Like, I think if someone asked me uh, a week ago, hey, what do you think about Keanu Reeves? I would say the same thing. I don't I don't enjoy any of his peak movies, really. I hate Speed. I think Speed is a piece of trash. Uh, and, and from like Bill and Ted's up to, I don't know, The Matrix, maybe. Uh, like, I don't I don't like him in any of these movies. And I think he I'm with you. I think he's a bad actor, but. There's something about, for me, there's something about this role in particular and sort of his embracing of or or maybe leaning into who he is as an actor that's just like, okay, I, I kind of get it here. And I've never, I ne- I'm not like that in, in pretty much anything else that he's he's ever done, save, a, you know, a, a, an odd, an outlier here or there. It, it's it's weird to me. I don't I don't know if it's this character or... If it's these movies or because um, it can't be the character because it's not really a character, but I it's an I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted within myself because I texted you, Richard, during the movie about halfway through the movie. I was like, I don't know if I like this or not. And I I eventually just I don't know that I talked myself into you, but I, I gave into like, OK, I really am enjoying myself here. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Brian, um, the movie starts off like really in your face with the action. Uh John Wick, in my opinion, takes forever to get started. Uh, Maybe that's kind of uh, a little bit of my hatred the first time around. And let me reiterate, the thing I was comparing John Wick to the first time was The Equalizer. And I remember liking The Equalizer a lot more. And I came out of John Wick and I said, if I don't like this as much as The Equalizer, what is this movie to me? Because I don't like The Equalizer that much. You know what I mean? Uh, And so... I don't know, maybe just kind of where where this has gone or what has become maybe has won me over more. But again, I, I, I watched John Wick again before seeing this, and 
liked it a lot better the second time around. So maybe this is something that you kind of got to digest a little bit more. But this one does start off in your face. I think the action scene with, not the action scene, but the car chase scene, it is an action scene. What am I saying? <laughs> uh, not a fight scene, uh, per se, or hand-to-hand combat. But uh, him in the car, you know, like you said, he's just, you have my car. And the first kind of act of the movie is just him trying to get his car back. And uh, it kind of reestablishes who the enemy is. But um, that that scene where he kind of loses the door and he takes out the motorcycle with the door and he's being flung out of the car and everything. I mean, that was... That was some of the that was Fast and Furious level car work. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the the proper term for that, but um, it was it was a a really cool and effective way to kind of set this movie into motion with the the whole car aspect and a, a good way to connect it to the first movie too. With uh, the car is a big deal in the first movie. I right. thought this this movie would kind of play on that a little bit but i thought it would be more with the dog and stuff they do mention the dog uh like you said peter stormare mentions because my nephew killed his dog or whatever um my Mm -hmm. my idiot nephew or whatever he says yeah and um so that was cool i love that scene there's some mirrored shots from the first movie that i really liked how they uh definitely mirror the first one first of all the shot of him in the shower like with all his tattoos and everything uh there's an ex- that's the exact same shot uh, in the, as in the first movie. Um, it's obviously a new version of it, but uh, they kind of mirror that. They mirror the the uh, burying the guns and everything. Yeah. Uh, that's the MacGruber. That that's <laughs> so MacGruber. Just for him yeah. to dig up his guns and like stare yeah. at him while it's being screams. yeah <gasps> while it's being cut together with somebody in another location talking to somebody else. You know what I mean? It's not like they just mm-hmm. show him digging it up and looking at it it's it's cut in the same way that mcgruber is too so there's this like there is this kind of screaming moment at the end where he's like ah and he or he has his uh he finally has his weapons and everything but there's a mirror it mirrors that here and it also mirrors this is kind of wide panoramic shot of new york city or i think it says 17th pier or something like that going across the bridge and mm-hmm. in the first movie they show that shot uh coming in new york city that uh, kind of establishing shot, and then it shows the car driving across the bridge. Well, in this movie, it's after he loses the car or whatever, or and uh, it shows the the shot of New York City, and then he's walking across the bridge. So I thought that was kind of a cool juxtaposition from the first movie, and a cool way to kind of mirror it. And it, maybe it helps that I saw this an hour and a half before, or an hour <laughs> before, but I, I really appreciated those kind of small touches that the the director kind of kept and. I didn't even look before, I mean, before seeing this, if it was the same director, you know, because oftentimes they'll just give these to people, these kind of one-off sequels. Yeah. Um, but I knew when I saw those kinds of things that this was the same director, and that, that really uh, made me happy. Yeah, um, the, the whole blood oath thing was kind of eerie and mm-hmm. cool. I don't know, you know, that that's kind of like a the blood brother, uh, you swore by blood, and he put his thumbprint on there, you know. I don't know why that that kind of intrigued me or thought that was kind of a weird, like, cheesy, you know, 80s Bond villain device, you know, to use. But mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Um, I love the grenade launcher, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, to bring a grenade cool. launcher into this was pretty awesome. And they blow up his house or whatever with it. That that's that was crazy. Um, Jimmy the Cop. Who is this guy? 
I guess he's he the guy that makes yeah. everything happen. But uh, I'm just very confused by the Jimmy the Cop. Like, how is this yeah. one guy keeping all this a secret? Because there's shootouts that are insane yeah. going on all around the city, and not one cop shows up to any of them. It's because Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, uh, he keeps it under yeah. wraps. You know, Jimmy's. Well, he knows he knows how to cover up a story from his days in the newsroom. So it's good. It's good. They say that line for line or word for word, something like that. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's some bad uh, exposition, but. Jimmy the cop makes another appearance. Uh, I never understood. Maybe it's because he didn't want to get too attached. I guess that's the only explanation I can think of why he never named the dog in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or he kept insisting he doesn't have a name. Uh, maybe it's so he didn't get attached because they're just going to kill his dog again. You know, he right. knows it's coming and he doesn't want to be like poor Spike, you know, or whatever. <laughs> But uh, that was just kind of a weird thing. They kept reiterating, and I kept waiting for a reveal about, or he was going to name it or something, you know. Right, yeah. Never happened. It's a very weird MacGuffin to kind of throw in there. (laughs) But uh, it worked for me. I don't know why. Yeah. it's. I I loved how he, I loved how he just, like, got the butler to, or the uh, the reception guy to watch. Yeah, the concierge to watch his dog for him. He's like... (laughs) Yeah, my house blew up or whatever, but you can watch my dog. You seem trustworthy. And yeah. it comes, it co- does come around humorously at the end of the movie, which I thought was a, a cool touch. But um, that was a funny kind of, what do we do with the dog now? I guess yeah. we'll just give him to the concierge at the hotel, you know? Uh, that's it kind of hit me going through this movie. I think what I like the most about uh, the John Wick cinematic universe, as it's likely to be known in the future um is i i really enjoy like action scenes i don't really care about all that much because i i tend to tune out in an in the prolonged action sequences more often than not in in almost any movie because i just feel like i've seen it all and i'm just kind of like eh, i'm i don't know i i'm 35 i don't really care about this stuff all that much anymore but what i really dig about these movies is the sort of uh, the thought that's put into creating this underworld society of assassins and the the rules and the mythology of it, even like the way that the Continental works and the managers and the um, <laughs> the ways in which they put out the hits on people and, and stuff like that. Like I found that I find that I very, love that I love very that, interesting yeah. and way, way, way more detailed than a movie like this has any any right to to have and yet it it works very well for me that's i mean really i i really think that is the stuff that makes me enjoy this these movies more than i don't know like the more recent taken movies or like 3 days to kill or something like that like it just i it just seems like they put a lot of attention into this into a in the midst of a movie that is based solely upon uh, someone killing his dog. You know, it's just like a strange thing. But I'm always like, yeah, I want to know more about this stuff. I, the, my favorite sequence in the movie is when he is in Rome getting uh, supplies for for this and getting oh, yeah. getting the suit made and uh, picking out the the guns from the sommelier and uh, and so on and so forth. I was like, this is really strong. And I I I'm not sure why, but I I love that stuff. Uh, it's total total James Bond man, total Q. You know, going and getting the right, gadgets, but man. on the nose in that and at the same time oh, it totally embraces just, it, it it's like perfectly. a it's yeah. a combination of james bond uh it, this is combination this is kind of i, I felt a few parallels to skyfall in this movie uh not mm-hmm. only that but there's a scene where he's kind of talking to the guy 
like in, in the museum in front of the painting. I guess it's the villain guy. But that reminded me of the scene where Bond meets Q in Skyfall, and uh, they talk. I guess he gives him the PP7 or whatever it is, uh, just the gun, the one gun, and the uh, radio tracking device. Like that's all he gives him. But th- yeah. this is a, a cross between that and uh, Men in Black in a way, where you just kind of mm-hmm. don't know what they're gonna pull out uh, of every kind of corner, and it's kind of a disguised shop or whatever it is, or speakeasy or you know something. Where they just pull pull back a door or a hidden door, and there it is. And it reminded me of Kingsman, and the fact that there's this huge underground world of all this stuff that just kind of always existed right. that we just don't know about. You know, I love that aspect of it too, which they don't really get into much in John Wick, as the first one, as far as um, diving into that world. But that Brian, that sequence, and then the whole. Uh, uh, you know, like call center thing, the, yeah, the very yeah. like vintage call center. And the only way they really connect it to modern times is like the women have like an elaborate tattoo work, you know, like you could obviously tell that they're not uh, from the fifties, you know, but, but, uh, and I guess they have the text messaging thing go out and everything. But I, I really enjoyed that aspect of calling the hits on people and how they, yeah. they would just call hits on each other throughout the movie, you know, or whatever it was. You never knew who was going to get a hit called on him. I liked that a lot. And, um, never thought I never thought that that would happen. By the way, the body armor suit, real thing that, uh, they, they <laughs> presidents wear and things like that. Uh, there's, there's a fabric. It's super expensive. Of course, it's made in like Brazil. Like there's only one suit maker that makes it that, uh, it stops a bullet, you know, um, it, you'll you'll get a bruise like they say it'll hurt but you won't die you know so that's a real technology that they've included in john wick now and that's awesome another funny part of this is when he (laughs) i'm laughing thinking about it when his house burns down or everything and he like digs up the box of the backup suit that he had with like his old john wick you know because like we can't possibly go second half of this movie without him looking like the complete right. silhouette caricature of John that John Wick is. You know what I mean? It's like MacGruber without the vest and mullet. You know? It just wouldn't <laughs> yeah. feel right. You know? Uh, right. Like I said, silhouette, I mean, they really have embraced the character and the fact that he's recognizable from like a silhouette, you know, way. Like he is, uh, John Wick has already become kind of iconic in a way. And it's really weird. Um, at least in a, a small world mm-hmm. of uh, action uh, fans and filmmakers. I, I really liked the nightclub fight sequence. Never thought I would like that. I don't, I think that's kind of a cop-out to do a mm-hmm. loud yeah. techno music with flashing lights in an action scene, but I thought that was pulled off really kind of swimmingly in this movie. Um, I liked... The uh, fact that they use the catacombs of Rome yes. in this best best action sequence in the movie to me. I thought that was awesome. Again, I kind of tune out in prolonged action movies, but that one that one was awesome. I like the, the fact that they just included that as a setting and they use it kind of mm-hmm. to get from place yeah. to place. It makes yeah. some perfect sense, and uh, it's kind of ends up being a trap or whatever in the end, um, or it's where yeah, it's where a, a big moment happens. But um, I liked when they called in the seven million dollar hit on John Wick, to, and uh, 
they they show all the different people getting the text messages and he's like walking through the park or whatever and everyone's getting right. the mess. I thought that was a really cool moment. A cool way to go about that. He kind of realizes that everyone's against him now. And um I like that. By the way, bringing Lawrence Fishburne back into this kind of a weird thing to see, <laughs> you know, Morpheus yeah. and Neo together in totally different weight roles but kind of similar in a way, you know. Uh mm. I, I feel like that was definitely written in. Like, we got to get Lawrence Fishburne in here somehow <laughs> and uh, do some kind of Neo, you know, character, like, you know, guy that kind of knows all and knows everything that's going on. And um, they can have those kind of, they, they have great chemistry as actors. I will say that. But um, that, that, I didn't expect that. And I did not know that was going to happen. But <laughs> it, it kind of threw me out of it for a second. But I totally got why they did it. And it's because it's for the Keanu fans, honestly. That's why they did it. So yeah. how did you feel about that, Brian? It was fine. I, by that point, I was kind of ready to move on. That, that's my main complaint with the movie is that it's it's a solid two hours and it needs to be a solid 80 minutes. But uh, kind of by that point, I was ready to uh, I was ready for the end of my my John Wick experience for the year. But, uh, you know, it his character was fun and you could tell. Lawrence Fishburne was enjoying what he was doing and stuff, which is cool. And, and so it was fine, but I, I was, by that point I was, I was kind of ready to, to, to get going. I love the, uh, the pencil stuff because they mentioned it earlier in the movie. Like this guy yeah. took out a whole bar with just a pencil or something like that. Mm-hmm. How is that even possible? Uh, yeah, you know, Peter got- Stromer's line about like whatever stories you have heard about him, I promise you they are watered down was really <laughs> funny like that. Yeah. And he's the perfect guy to deliver that line. So. And uh, then we get to see it. It's just like McGruber, like you know, he talks about ripping throats and then it's not to the end. You get to see him rip threads. Classic oh. McGruber. I <laughs> loved it. Uh, but when he does kill people with a pencil, holy crap. He, like, you think the Joker's thing was bad. He's, he's full on using a pencil in three or four different ways, you know? It's, like, it's not like there's one way to kill somebody with a pencil, apparently. There's several different ways you can do it, and he figured them all out. Um, the subway sequence, awesome, too. Yeah. In, in the, the new... I guess the new World Trade Center uh, sub subway station, the all white one, which is a cool juxtaposition to a, an act, a, a battle scene with a lot of gore and blood, is to do an all white interior, and that's a that's a real location. So it was a cool place for them to choose to do that. I thought, mm-hmm. and uh, man, the stuff in the subway cars, like it's it's cliche to do a subway fight scene or action scene. You know, it's a uh, it is, but uh, some kind of flair that, that won me over with this. I don't know what it's yeah. about. You know, this might be a hot sports opinion, but I actually, I think Common is, I really am enjoying yeah. Common in these roles. Like, that was awesome. And he's building a career the right way to me. Like he, I think a lot of, not just rappers, but if you're coming from a different line of work and you're jumping into acting, I think too often, uh, they tend to try to get a role like a starring role. And then you very quickly find out, oh, I'm not really that good at this. And then before you know it, you're starring in uh made for TV movies or, or straight to DVD kind <laughs> of movies. And instead 
you know, he's kind of done a little a little bit here and a little bit there, and and he branches out a little bit more each time. And he's got Selma, and you know, he's American Gangster. I think he was he's he's done a few things here and there. And I, I actually think I, like I'm looking forward to maybe 2020 when Common is leading a John Wick type movie instead of uh, just the, you know, the, the supporting work. It's he was really good in this for yeah, what it is, cool. you know? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, the the kind of climactic scene is the mirror maze. And mm-hmm. wow, uh, I I don't know how they, first of all kept the camera out of the mirrors. I mean, that's such tedious work if they really did go back and remove the camera from a lot of that stuff because yeah. working with mirrors and light is a nightmare, I'm sure. And they're just setting themselves up for an you know, a nightmare post production schedule. If they I mean if, if they shot it all in camera without any kind of post production removal of the lights and camera, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very impressed. I'm I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how they went about that. I'm sure there will be a detailed, you know, Blu-ray explanation of it, but man, I was blown away by that. And that's kind of the ultimate, um, way to end this. You know, it's the most outrageous place I've ever seen an action scene. And it's the most violent way I've ever seen anyone die. So it's a weird juxtaposition that it's like this kind of carnival, you know, uh, lightheartedness, as far as the setting and then this horrible stuff is happening. Um, it's, it was a modern art exhibit, wasn't it? That, uh, yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it wasn't like a carnival or anything, but that's what it reminded me of like a fun house, you know? And, uh, wow. Interesting and crazy. And, uh, I really liked it. I, I think that the villains in these are just kind of by the book. So I don't really pay attention yeah. much to them. Um, I, the whole sister thing and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. him calling the hits and everything. I mean, it, that's not what I leave thinking about is, man, right, the uh, right. the antagonist really got me. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I just look forward to seeing Wick just just go be protagonist as heck and just destroy everybody. You know, like I know he's not going to last. That's what I mean you know, when it when it comes right down to it. Um, so I don't. The stakes don't are relatively him, low. Yeah. When it comes mm-hmm. to villain, villainry. Yeah, if that's a word. It is. That's a good word. Um, so yeah, that's why uh, the discussion hasn't kind of turned towards the antagonist because it really doesn't matter in these. So, and uh, let's talk about the third actor at the very end, or we we just did with the the mirrors. But how they kind of wrap this up? He said, he says like something like, "What'd you just do?" And he goes, "Finished it." Uh, that was a diesel line too. <laughs> and then he just goes and picks up his dog, you know, yep. after all that, like you do. it was awesome. I wanted that to be the end of the movie, finished it, picks up the dog, walks <laughs> out and then the credits roll. But they do have kind of a epilogue and they find out, you know, his next mission or whatever it is. Um, but you know, they're obviously going to try to do another one of these, but I, I really liked how they tied it all up at the end. I thought, I was smiling throughout. I thought it was funny and uh, kind of the sort of the cheesy, nostalgic kind of ending that I wanted it to be. And uh, it, hope for the future. You know, it didn't ruin it by any means. Uh, an ending can always ruin a movie for me. And uh, <laughs> it didn't. So it made me happy. But man, this was just a fun, 
popcorn ride for me the entire time. And it's the funnest I've had in the theater this year, for sure. Wow. Uh, as far as new movies are concerned. So we'll see how much it holds up. But I was, I was impressed by this. It's almost, it's in a league of its own. I think it's total, it's totally way better than the first one on almost every level. Like I, I, I like agree. The first yeah. one sets it up, but I mean, if somebody said, which one should I watch? I would say John Wick chapter two, hundred, hundred times, you know? So that's where it is for me. I guess we mm-hmm. can hit grades. Do you have any closing thoughts on this, Brian or Richard? No, no I yeah. don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, they'll make, they're going to make, uh, they're going to make how many, what, what is the final amount of John Wicks do we think we end with five? Yeah, I would say five is the no. I mean, they're definitely three is definitely happening, right? Like this a this is a big this made triple its budget or something like that already. It's held pretty strong, and that ending is definitely leading you straight into a third one. So, I think five is a pretty safe bet. Until they give Common his own series, let's do it. I'm in right now. They just spin it off into a Common. Common takes the torch from Keanu. All right, and the dog. He takes on. Ownership of the dog, yeah. All right, I'm going to grade this at an A. Nice. It accomplished almost everything it set out to accomplish. Did it with a lot of flair. This is almost an A+, but uh, it is <laughs> cheesy, I will admit. And it had me eye-rolling a couple times at Keanu's, just kind of being Keanu. But, man, solid A. I, was, I did not expect to give this an A. I, I didn't <laughs> like John Wick, and then when I saw the sequels coming out, I was like, there's no way it can be better, you know? Uh, it's just going to be more overblown, but I didn't like the first one, so I'm not going to like that. But I don't know what happened, man. I turned a corner in my life, I guess, between now and then. <laughs> All right. What's your grade, Brian? Uh, I'm going to go just a little. I'm going to go A minus. I think it abs- 100% sets it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do, and uh, it doubles down on that, the, the identity of the whole movie, and I, I greatly appreciate that. I need it to be shorter. I, I needed one or two less extended action sequences. Um, and you know, there's a few notes here and there. I, I can't go too high on the movie just because, you know, it, it borders on guilty pleasure more than good movie. But I, I very much appreciate, especially an action movie that, that knows exactly what it is and, and goes, uh, full bore on that. So a minus for me, Richard, how about you? I'm going to go C plus lower than both yeah. you guys substantially. Yeah. And I, I hate the, uh, subtitles, how they do them in these same yes it's so it's, summit. Very cheap it's the looking. most summit yeah. pictures thing of yeah. all time <laughs> yes i thought that exact same thing yeah yeah and it is summit this is a summit production i should say so we got to knock it down a grade just for that right like everybody yeah. okay best, so we're best now summit at, movie at B, of all time B minus and d okay cool yeah it's easily the best summit movie that i've seen <laughs> uh okay let's uh move on and let's hit a recommend weekly recommends brian what's your recommend this week so I'm gonna give you uh, I'm gonna give you a recommend that's probably the the I think the weirdest recommend I've ever brought to the show. Uh, we'll, but we'll see. There's a documentary. It's on Amazon Prime for for free if you are an Amazon subscriber. Amazon Prime subscriber. It's called Nuts, um, and it is about a doctor of sorts from uh, the. The earlier 1900s and into the 1920s and 30s, who uh, based out of Kansas, who was kind of the first. He was a, well, he's a charlatan, and uh, he performed tens of thousands of surgeries on men trying to fix ED by uh, replacing 
bear parts with goat parts. And oh my it's, gosh. It's what? the weirdest. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's really weird. I heard I heard them talking about this on, um, I think it was Radio Lab. It might have been, it was either Radio Lab or Reply All uh, podcast that I listened to. Um, it's very, it, it sounds like a horror movie, I know, but it's it's told in this sort of a, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, if that's not weird enough for you. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens surrounding this person and the, the uh, uh, what is it, the FDA or the whatever, ADA that's trying to bring him down in the early days of the organization. And to me, what was most interesting is he was kind of a, in spite of his horribleness, he was a pioneer for... Uh, the 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 medium of radio. He at one point he had the fourth strongest radio signal uh, in the United States, based out of Kansas, and then later on, so they essentially kicked him out of the United States, stripped him of his license to practice medicine, and took away his radio license. And so he moved to Del Rio, Texas, down here, which is if you're not familiar, is like right across the border. And bought a radio tower directly across the border in Mexico so that he could broadcast from that. And at that time, he had the the uh, the largest reach of any radio station uh, in the world. <laughs> and so it, he's he and so he filled his uh, the radio day for basically 24 hours a day. He was broadcasting either one of his infomercials about his weird surgeries and products that he offered, and he also turned out to be one of the pioneers of country music because he would have these. Uh, local and and touring bands that were traveling across the south come on and perform on the show so there, there's like a it's a very interesting documentary it's told in a really kind of um it's not overly serious which is good because i don't want to know any more about the surgeries or anything like that than than what is offered uh but it's a very interesting little documentary that's like 80 minutes long and um i I, I know it sounds horrific, horrific and terrible, but it's really kind of an interesting watch. And, and uh, there might be one other person out there that uh, that enjoys it. So if that sounds good to you, check it out. It's called Nuts on uh, Amazon Prime. I was going to make a joke about the title. <laughs> I know. I was like, I know. Nope, I, that's actually what it's about. That's it's fine. Very strange, very strange to recommend. I, I know that's definitely not up my my typical wheelhouse of, of recommends of normal things that normal people have already watched. But uh, I anyway, I came across it through a podcast and I was really interested by the story. And it's it's a pretty fun little documentary. Um, and, the, you know, the the connection, the mansion that he has in Del Rio is still there. It's a, it's a, it's very odd. And then and it kind of goes in. Uh, a dozen different directions, all of which are are somewhat interesting. Weird. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Richard, what do you got? Yeah, mine, <laughs> mine's a little simple. Hard to I, follow, I, follow that up. Yeah. Yeah. No, Eddie Murphy Delirious is on Netflix now. So if you've never nice, seen it, nice. educate yourself. One of the great stand-up specials of all time. I'll leave it at that. Kent, what about you? Um, I have something on Netflix and a documentary that uh, kind of plays on both of y'all's recommends this week. All right. They just put out a series called Abstract. Have you guys watched this yet, or any of it I, yet? I haven't. Uh, it's it's a it's been on my my uh, queue, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I think it just came out this past week, and it's a show. Uh, it's called Abstract: The Art of Design, I think. And uh, yeah. it's it's really interesting. So it, basically, each episode they get a different artist and they kind of follow them around, but these artists are totally in totally different areas of 
what art is. You know, like they 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 interview uh, Tinker Hatfield, who designed the Air Jordans. Like they gave him a whole episode and just on his whole thought process behind designing a shoe, an iconic shoe at that. Um, they, you know, they have an architect, photographer, graphic designer, or polisher is a graphic designer, and she did a lot of you know famous album covers and things like that. Um, they have an interior designer in here. Uh, they have a, a stage designer, the the lady that uh, that does a uh, Beyonce and Kanye West like stage show, you know, and everything, and how she designs oh, cool. like modern art stage shows and like like sets for Broadway and things like that. Uh, it was it's a super interesting series, and I think there's seven episodes or eight episodes in the first season that are all vastly different from each other as far as the type of art, but they're all kind of shot and produced in the same way, so it kind of ties them all together. Such an interesting series. I think I have one or two more. I think I still have the photography one to go, but I can't decide which one my favorite. It's like it's like thirty for thirty, you know, like they're all mm-hmm. really good and they're all so different but so similar. And um, it, it's such a recommend. I was so happy to see it on Netflix. I, I hadn't heard of that they were doing this, you know, um, and then I just saw it uh, in my recommends or whatever, and it um, it blew me away. It was a really cool kind of weekend. Uh, you know, watch two episodes here, go do some stuff, you know, watch two episodes here and there, uh, later in the day. It was, it was a really easy watch and informative and inspirational, you know, uh, just seeing these people's backgrounds and how talented they are and just all the different aspects of art that you can get into, you know, Mm. if you have any sort of creative bug, it's uh, really cool. So I hope they do another season. I think they could do multiple, multiple seasons of this interview yeah. just the most iconic people i mean the people that design logos for you know the new york times and Citibank and all the yeah. stuff you see everywhere that you never think somebody actually had to design that you know um i'm doing it right now i'm doing a lot of logo design yeah and it's it's a really weird uh weird uh back and forth process that you don't know it till you see it then you know it's there it's hard to quantify in a weird way so i admire those that do it well because i i don't you guys would really like the Air Jordan episode. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. You should uh, watch that. Was that. What, that's yeah, what watch that one intrigued first, me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I forgot the guy's name, but they do the guy, this uh, graphic designer, not kind of an illustrator, actually. And he does a lot of the New Yorker covers. He does in like 25 New Yorker covers. Wow. Mm. And uh, he's really interesting. He's from Europe, I think. Uh, so, man, really cool stuff. And uh, definitely my recommend for the week, Abstract. Check that out. Cool. Um, it's free on Netflix, too. I, I love, I mean, I would have paid for this show if somebody had told me about it. You know what I mean? Um, it's uh, it's really cool to have Netflix and then them to just produce things like this. It's a Netflix mm-hmm. original series, you know? Um, man, really cool. And my, I feel like my money's well spent when it goes to things like producing stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like totally. Stranger Things and all that, you know? Yeah, that's their only income source is subscribers. So you really do feel like you're getting your money's worth. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, good stuff, guys. Fun talk tonight. Uh, John Wick is an interesting property, and I'm interested to see where it goes and to hear people's thoughts on it. So send us your thoughts on John Wick. Feel free to email us or contact us via our website at any point in time. We love discussing movies and carrying on the conversation off the air. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, Brian, where can we find you online? 
You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And I should have mentioned this earlier, but if you want to participate in the official Mad About Movies Oscar uh, predictions competition for uh, Mad About Movies swag, you need to email us uh, at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com or DM us or something like that. Uh, we'd love to send you an invitation. We've got, uh, I don't know, 40 or so people so far. We'd love to get a few more. So if you want to participate, uh, just shoot us an email. Richard, where can we find you? Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Online, KentGarrison.com, Kent Garrison on Twitter. Find us on the iTunes, Mad About Movies. Just hit subscribe. Every week we're releasing more and more episodes. We have another episode coming out this week. Uh, I believe we're talking No Country for Old Men this week. Ooh. Something like that. It's Sounds the anniversary. It's almost 10 year yeah, anniversary. So Almost like we've done it before. It's a spooky. I, well, we have multiple episodes we can release, so I think that's the one we're, we're yeah, going I with this was, week. I think that kind of cool. fits along with uh, with John Wick and what we've been talking about. So that one's <laughs> gonna that one's gonna be yeah. Speaking of never seen anyone die that way before, uh, Open Truth <laughs> for Old Men is a good one and uh, good good stuff. Good convers fun conversation. So look for that later in the week. And uh, again, talk to you next week. And see you at the cinema, okay? Bye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 